Welcome to episode 29 of the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where we are currently traveling back to the Kento region on the Magnet Train. As my guest today is Veronica Taylor, the voice of Ash Ketchum. But before we arrive in our destination of Saffron City, I'd like to remind everybody, please follow us on Twitter at PopAnimeComics, as well as on our website, PopAnimeComics.com, which features articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture. And remember to subscribe to this podcast before you embark into this podcast. How were you first introduced to acting? Well, I always wanted to be an actor. I did my first play when I was five. And then I did a lot of shows in elementary school, high school, in college. I majored in theater. And I went to grad school for theater also for acting. I toured the country for several years with different shows. And I guess I've always been an actor. And what were some of the shows that you were in while touring the country? Uh, I've done a lot of Shakespeare. I was in Much Ado About Nothing and Midsummer Night's Dream. And then I've done Midsummer a few times, actually, with different companies. I did Little Women, also Treasure Island, and let's see, Nicholas Nickleby, Animal Farm. Those are shows I've toured with. And now a good part of your career has been voice acting slash voiceover work. Yep. I do a lot of cartoons and audiobooks and commercials and gosh, all kinds of things. It's really expanded in a nice way. I've been quite lucky. Now, growing up, were you a fan of cartoons or anime? Growing up, I was a big fan of Saturday morning cartoons, definitely. And I would watch them every Saturday with my brother. And I played soccer too, so in the off season, I could watch cartoons. Um, But yeah, it's always been a big part of my life. And now... How did you discover that you could be a voice actress? I think acting stretches you in so many different ways. Especially in grad school, we worked on expanding our vocal range. You know, you can get up to like doing two octaves at the same time. So we were working on all kinds of things like that. And I've always been cast to play characters that were very different from myself. So I've stretched vocally and physically in many ways on stage. And then I guess it's just an opportunity came to me to audition for a cartoon. And then um, more opportunities came and really sometimes don't know what you can do until you're asked. So I find most of the time during an audition, I kind of find ways to stretch in ways that I didn't even know. A good director can bring out, I guess, better voices, since we're talking about that, than you knew you had. And how did your theater background really help you to get into voice acting? Well, I think you have to be an actor if you want to be a voice actor, because voice acting is acting, but you don't have the luxury of using your whole body. So definitely everything I've learned from that, how to create a character, what your objective is, trying to figure out what the character is going for, where do they carry themselves? So where does the voice sit in the body? It's helped me to be able to read through a script quite quickly so I can, in a matter of seconds, kind of identify what's going on in the scene. What do I want from the other person? Where am I going? What are my goals? Also working on breath support. All of that stuff helps stage combat because I do a lot of action scenes and I know how to do the moves. I know where the breath goes. So it sounds more realistic, I guess. And now what was your first voice acting role? I was in an anime Area 88. And then I was in Slayers. And then that led to Pokemon and everything else after that. Actually, I did the voice over for the Batman stunt show. That's probably my first big voiceover job when I was in that show in New Jersey at Great Adventure. And in being in the Batman stunt show, how did you go about applying for this job? Well, it was an audition. We had to do combat. It was a, an action 
audition. So we went in shifts. So there were two women. In the first one I played, Chase Meridian and Spice. I did that for two years. We shifted on and off. So there were two women who played those parts. And now let's talk a little bit about how you got your audition for Aria 88. How did that come about? I was recommended through an acting teacher of mine, actually, or a coach, really. I was working on a monologue for an audition I had, and it just happened that same day he got a call from someone else that he coached to see if he could recommend someone for this audition. So it was really luck that I was in the right place at the right time. And then from there, I was recommended to audition for something else from the people that I worked with on that. When you freelance, when you're an artist or an actor, a lot of your work comes from networking, which is networking with other people that you know. So maybe Maybe I would recommend an animator. Maybe they recommend me for a voiceover job. I recommend other actors. You know, you kind of create your family. And you also mentioned you were involved in Slayers. How did you get involved with this project? Same. I was recommended from someone at Central Park Media because they had worked with me on Area 88. And now the character you played, Amelia, how'd you get into her character? Well, the great thing about dubbing something is that you have the luxury of looking at the animated character and seeing how they move and what their facial expressions are. They had an idea for what they wanted the voice to be because someone else had been playing her before I got the job and I think she had moved so they needed to replace her so there wasn't a lot of flexibility that I had. I think her voice really suits her. You can listen to the original Japanese in this case and we based it off of that and then kind of who she is and when you're watching her I don't know. It just kind of comes out. It seems pretty natural. She's an amazingly positive character. And with her magic skills, you know, she's a positive, powerful person. So I don't know. It just kind of came from that. I kind of act out the roles anyway a little bit in the booth. So I guess physically that's what she sounded like. And what were the challenges of taking over a voice from somebody else? These challenges are different than other cases. I think I wasn't familiar with the project and I didn't know what the person before me had sounded like. They basically said this is what we want the voice to be. I auditioned for it. And then that's what we went with. So I don't even know what the person sounded like before. So I guess the challenges ultimately are that you can fill the shoes of what someone has done before you, but really you have to get the job done and do what you think serves the project, but also you're paying attention to what came before and yet you're making it your own. So let's talk about Pokemon. You were the voice of Ash Ketchum. How did you get that opportunity? All of my opportunities are just auditioning for things. So I happened to be working on Slayers when Pokemon came up. So because I was working on that, I guess they already knew me, so they asked me to audition. I audition either through people who... I've worked with before and they ask me to audition for something else or I audition through an agent and for people I don't know. Um, Most of these shows came, you know, luckily we had kind of a big family who was working on a lot of shows at the same time with four kids and this was before four kids really kind of became who they were. But luckily I knew the people who were holding the audition so they asked me to come in. Did you know how big Pokemon was going to become? I don't know if anyone did, actually. The only thing I had ever heard about the show was that it had given seizures to kids in Japan, and so it certainly didn't seem like a great thing at the time. But we got to see a bit of the show for the audition to get an idea of the energy of it and what the voices sounded like. And I love the color of it. I love the animation. I love the energy, just the style. And I loved the show. And then I was happy to be on it. But I had no idea other people would love it quite so much. And the stories of it are really, I think, what keeps it going. It's something that everyone can relate to. So I really think the stories, at least for the show, is what's kind of kept going. The 
anime obviously gathered huge popularity. When did you know that you were going to be reprising your role as Ash for a second season, a third season, all the way up to about eight seasons? We always found out towards the end of the season. So while we were working on the show, we never knew if it was going to go on or if we were going to go on. We would always find out towards the end of the year whether there would be another season or not. And while you were Ash, you were also Ash's mom, as well as many of Gary Oak's cheerleaders and the Pokemon Diglett. What were challenging about doing these roles while being Ash? The great thing about anime, again, with dubbing something, is that when we worked on these, we would do each character separately. So I would go through all of Ash's lines and then all of Ash's mom's line, all of May's lines, all through there. So there's no real way to kind of confuse the characters. Working on Ninja Turtles, we would do it more like a radio play, so we're all together. There's no picture for you to look at. That, we would do all the characters as they came up. So it's very similar to doing an audiobook. Cartoons that are prelay, you do all at once, and so you really have to keep track of your characters in a different way. But the fun thing about dubbing something is that you get to do all of your one character's lines and then come back and basically play a scene with yourself. So that's really fun. And uh, you just mentioned that you were the voice of May. How did uh-huh. you balance voicing May and voicing Ash? It's no trouble really at all. Um, they're very different people. So it was just fun to be able to expand a bit. I mean, Ash is very positive and kind of gung-ho, but it's nice to round out acting-wise yourself with having a different character to play a different side. May was much more down-to-earth and practical. She had to watch her little brother. She was figuring things out in a different way than Ash. It wasn't really difficult to balance. It. it was a nice challenge. And throughout your career on Pokemon, you've been in many TV episodes and countless movies. What is the difference between the two? Well, I think the biggest difference is the story. You have 22 minutes to get a story out in, you know, an episode in a series, but let's say an hour and a half to tell a story in a movie. So you have more time to flesh out the character and understand what's going on. And it's just more epic, let's say. Recording it was not that different. Uh, In the very beginning, we went to a bigger studio to record the first and second movies. But after that, we recorded them in the same studio. So it was all very similar. And do you feel that you have more freedom in one of them the other? No, I think it's absolutely the same. You know, I mean, acting is telling a story and so, and making sure that the character that you are portraying is telling the story. And that's why when you play different characters in the same show or movie or anything, you get to tell the story in a slightly different way. So it doesn't really matter the format, even if it's an audiobook or if it's a, a cartoon on TV or if it's an animated movie, it's all similar. There's The acting doesn't change. And now you were on Pokemon for eight seasons as Ash. How did you mature his voice as he grew up on his journey? Ash, like many cartoon characters, stays the same age. He's still 10, or at least he was when I was playing him. I think that what changed is his confidence and his knowledge kind of filtered through how he sounded. I didn't consciously change his voice. I think he matured in a way, and so that comes across in kind of who he is and how the character was written. That's something that was not in my control. But I think you know, throughout, he still is so positive and kind of joyful that that's something that remains the same. But his voice didn't really change, per se. And now you have voiced many characters in Pokemon. Do you feel particularly close with one of them? Well, certainly Ash. I mean, I got to play him for eight years, and that was quite a luxury. I'm a mom, but I'm a very different mom than Ash's mom, so and that was she's very fun to play. May is terrific because... I think we need great female role models. 
she was pretty grounded, and I think that's a good thing for people to see. I think probably it sounds like a cop-out, but I love every character that I play. I love to be able to jump in their shoes and figure out who they are. But I guess ultimately Ash, because I've played him the longest, more than any other character I've ever been cast in. And now around the same time that you were starting to work on Pokemon, you were also in two movies, Yu Yu Hakusho, Fight for the Neverworld, and Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> How did you prepare for these two roles that were very different from each other? Well, you know, with dubbing, there's no preparation. You basically, you audition off of a few lines on a piece of paper. And then if you're cast, you go in and that day you just start. Uh, You get a tiny synopsis of whatever you're working on and then you just start. So I didn't really prepare for either of them. I just kind of jumped in and did it. The Grave of the Fireflies is one of the most beautiful things I've ever been part of. And gosh, it's just stunning, amazing piece. And then luckily I got to watch it later because when you're dubbing something, you only see your lines. So even for that, I didn't even know what the whole movie looked like or was about or what the other people were saying or anything. So um, luckily I saw that afterwards. While you were working on Pokemon, you were also part of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as April O'Neil. I was in that whole Saturday morning time block. I did a bunch of cartoons from, I guess, 1998 is when we started on Pokemon. And then whenever four kids started their Saturday morning, it was 2000. But I did a million cartoons in there. Ninja Turtles was one of the greatest. Obviously, we all love Ninja Turtles. Working with all of those guys was great. And being part of Saturday morning was like a dream come true. Because to be able to turn on whatever channel it was at the time for on the CW or on the Fox box and see all these great people that I worked with, all the cartoons they were on, and to be able to say, oh yeah, I'm working on that and that and that. And it was really extraordinary. It was an amazing time. And in continuing with four kids, you had the opportunity to work on One Piece as Nico Robin. What was that like being part of one of the most popular pirate groups ever created? Oh, it was good. You know, the the thing is, I think you only understand the popularity if you are out talking to people about it or if you're reading a lot online. And I don't think I ever knew that it was that popular until somewhat more recently, actually. It was a really fun, weird show. I played a bunch of different characters, but Nico Robin was my main one on that. And who wouldn't want to be a character with eight arms? You know, I could use a couple extra myself in real life, but it was really fun. And to fast forward a little bit, in recent recent years, you've had the opportunity to work on Icky Tosin, Mobile Suit Gundam, uh, Unicorn, as well as The Origin, and Yu-Gi-Oh! 5D and Zekel. What was it like to work on franchise-type shows? Well, as an actor, everything is the same. I try to understand the characters and then play them the best that I can. In a way, it doesn't matter to me how big it is, let's say fan-wise, or how unknown it is. To me, it's more about really bringing the character to life. And sometimes you only have three lines to do that. Sometimes you have a hundred. Sometimes you're a tiny part of a bigger thing. Like with Gundam, my characters are small, but they run all the way through it. So my time in the booth is very limited, but they have an impact that I'm not quite aware of until I see the whole project. So with that in mind, I have to really be as present as I can to, and with the help of the director, of course, to really bring out the character so that perhaps that performance can last through all the scenes that I'm not in. It resonates throughout. You know, obviously I know about Gundam, and that was a really neat thing to be part of, an amazing project. And then you always hope that maybe your character will be bigger. And it's an honor to work on something that people hold so deep 
idea. You know, with Pokemon, we started out, we had no idea about it, but worked very hard on it. And now getting to talk to people years later about the impact it had on them and the impact it had on me, that's the most amazing thing. So to work on these projects that already have a following, I just step in and then hope to have great conversations with people later. And now you were just recently cast for Sailor Moon as Pluto. What is it like to be part of such a popular anime? I think we're all somewhat familiar with Sailor Moon from many years ago or reruns or even now. I just entered this world. I certainly know a little bit about it, but I'm really learning. There's a huge amount of backstory that I have to kind of absorb. And I just know there's a lot that I don't know. But again, I just have to play the character for who she is right now and hope that it's enough for the people who already have this big idea of who she is. It is pretty amazing. It's always easier to tell someone you're working on a project that they know about. People are always more excited about that. It's a big honor to be part of that family. And do you feel any pressure going into voice acting this character? No, I don't, actually. I was cast in it, so somehow someone feels that I can do the job, so now I just go in and do it. And you also have been in, recently, some American cartoons, such as Astro Blast. I play Sputnik on Astro Blast, and she's a very cute, very smart pig. There's five animals in space. Uh, They run a smoothie shop up there. And um, I think it's a really great energetic show for kids. It teaches you great lessons, but it doesn't talk down to the kids at all. It's really super fun. Out of this world, you know? And now to talk a little bit about the industry. Uh, You've been part of the industry for over 10 years. Uh, to date yourself? Uh, yeah, Slayers, we started in 1995. So I've been doing anime, animation for a long time. How has the industry changed from when you first entered to 2015 and going onward? There used to be so many more cartoons in New York, and now there are so many fewer. So I've moved to Los Angeles, so that's changed. Um, there's a lot of animation here. You know, it's a hard thing to kind of break into a new family, let's say. I think a lot of the roles in animation have changed, and they change and then they change back. So there was a big push for very big, broad, cartoony voices, and then often now people want kind of natural sounding voices. It all kind of goes and circles around, and I think there's a big thing in kids' cartoons to have crazy, fast-paced, short spurts of action, and before it used to be a little more meandering, let's call it, so that you would have more of a story in a kid's cartoon. I prefer that. For me as an actor, I think it's always the same. You're just trying to audition and work hard and hope you get cast. And in that sense, nothing's really changed. You're still out there every day beating the pavement, trying to find work. And do you feel the audition process has changed? Well, I do a lot of auditioning from home, whereas before I would go into the studio. So I think going into the studio has its benefits because then you're actually meeting people and talking to them. And you can really hear from a casting director what they're looking for in the character. But now, um, mostly I'm just in my little studio recording away, and you don't really get any feedback on anything, nor do you get a chance to meet people face-to-face. So you just wait for a callback, and then you meet people there. And do you have any projects that you're currently working on that you can promote? Working on Astro Blast, I'm working on Mophie, which is a cartoon about a little bunny. It's stop action. It's very cute. Let's see. I am working on Sailor Moon. I'm working on Welcome to the Wayne, which is with Nickelodeon. We just started that. They have had maybe a five episode kind of sneak peek maybe last year and they've decided to go forward with a whole season so we just started with that that's going to be amazing the animation is really great that's going to be pretty cool 
So, and I just posted a little 21-minute Christmas carol on my YouTube channel. So, a little gift to people. So, I did that. I'm working on a lot of audiobooks as well. What is your YouTube channel called? Well, I guess for now, you'd have to put in Veronica Taylor 21-minute Christmas carol, and you can find me. This is my first posting, but I also, I posted it at Facebook, The Veronica Taylor, and my Twitter is at The Veronica T, so you can find it. And uh, do you have any conventions that you're going to be attending in 2016? I'll be at Con the third weekend of January, and then I have a bunch of different shows throughout the year, but I'll post those on my Facebook page. And then finally, before we get into promos, what advice do you have for people who want to get into voice acting for anime or television? The first thing to do is if you want to be an actor, I think do as much as you can acting wise. You want to take classes, you want to stretch yourself, volunteer, do whatever you can to get the most experience. When you are auditioning for anything, you often don't have a lot of time to prepare. So those skills really come into play. You want to create a little one-minute reel that showcases what you do so that you have something that you can email out to people. And then, I mean, if it's what you want to do, just persevere because there are many closed doors, but you just wait for the one that opens and then step through. And then finally, do you have anything you'd like to promote? Uh, Facebook again, Twitter, website? I'm at veronicataylor.net. I'm the Veronica Taylor on Facebook, at the Veronica T on Twitter. YouTube, you could just find me somehow. <laughs> so I'm, I'm out there. I'm not the best poster, but I'm, uh, I'm working on it. As always, we appreciate you using the Magnet Train. And remember to subscribe to this podcast so you will have something to listen to on your next ride. Till next time, have an electric week, everybody.